When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Young Bucks podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospects podcast of choice. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Corey, one of the biggest things for teams, no matter what level you're at, whether it be peewee to little league to junior high school to middle school to high school to college to pro to semi-pro to adult league, one of the biggest staples of successful teams is chemistry. Chemistry matters more than I think <laughs> anything in in any sport because if you can't play with the guys that are on your team, well, then why are you even playing? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I laugh because uh, I'm a Syracuse basketball fan. Upwards of 20 years ago, there was, a, there was a rumor that one of the star players on the team got the other star player on the team's girlfriend pregnant. That was a good Syracuse team. They went to crap. And uh, I always think about that when the word chemistry comes up because <laughs> you obviously can't have that happen. Uh, but that is a good point, Jared, about chemistry. You got to... I don't know if it's necessarily that you got to like the guys around you because I do think liking your teammates is overrated. I don't. I don't think you got to like the fellas around you, but I do think that you have to respect them and they have to respect you. Right, and I think you know a, a lot of times these are guys that you're you're going to battle with every night, and that's from the complex league to the Florida State league to the Sally league to to double a triple a to the majors these are the guys that are with you you know they're with you in spring training when things are dark they're they're with you through the highs and the lows and, and all the peaks and valleys that you have and and you got us and and you don't get to pick your teammates right they are picked for you so you got to adjust on the fly you know and and that and i've seen it quite a few times where in a, at the trade deadline they bring in somebody and it just completely throws everything off. Now, I've also seen it on the flip side where you bring in somebody and it brings everybody together. And I think that's kind of the beauty of everything, uh, especially baseball wise. And we're going to talk with Leo Verapaguero and Nick Gonzalez here in a second segment. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. But, you know, throughout the Pirates organization, they are steadfast in getting guys to continue to play together. We saw that with the, with this Greensboro team from last year that is now in Altoona. Um, you know, Matt Frazier was really the only guy that, that came up late in the season when more often than not, there are going to be droves of guys getting called up. 
Um, and then they, they came up together this year with Gonzalez and Piguero and, and then eventually Henry Davis, who ended the season in Greensboro last year. And then last year, you know, in years past in, in Altoona, you had guys like, you know, Mason Martin and G1 Bay and Cal Mitchell and guys like that to just kind of stick together and, and go up together. And, and even O'Neill Cruz to an extent um, in that in that group, too. So, you know, they want to keep those guys together, continue building that chemistry, and it shows on the field. This is such a great discussion for a lot of different reasons, mostly good, but I'm going to mention one bad here in a minute. I talked with uh, uh, Pirates, former Pirates players that have come through the system, and they'll talk about how they played together in the minor leagues and how much that helped them. Um, Omar Moreno uh, on the 71 World Series team, they came up, they were the baby bucks together, and then they got to Pittsburgh, and you have, this is the key, what I'm going to tell you, and you have Roberto Clemenia and Willie Stargell there, so all the baby bucks get there, they're used to winning, they've got that chemistry, then they get to the big leagues, and it is important, we, we've seen a lot of players come through the minor league system that have played together, and then they get, they, they kind of work their way up the system together. Here's the difference, though. Here's the bad thing I'm going to tell you. Omar Moreno had Willie Stargell and Roberto Clemente. When these young guys get there, who do they have? Okay, the best player on the team is Brian Reynolds. He's still, for all intents and purposes, a young guy. Brian Hayes is the highest paid player now. He's in his second year. The issue with the chemistry that makes it tough is you do want to come up together and you do want to build that winning attitude and atmosphere and all of that trust individually. But when you get to the big leagues and the team starts losing, like the pirates are losing now, it, it just, it, you, you, you do have something to fall back on from a chemistry standpoint, but if you don't have that leadership veteran guys, AJ Burnett served that purpose a few years ago for the pirates. That's, that's the pros and the cons of what we're talking about here. Right. I mean, even you look back to the teams uh, like 2013, especially that team came up through the system together. I understand that was different ownership, different leadership group in the organization, but but they came up together. McCutcheon, Walker, Alvarez, those guys were all, they all came up together, but they, they were leaders. Neil Walker was the leader on the field. Andrew McCutcheon was the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, AJ Burnett was the leader of that team. And when you have that leadership, that's where a lot of teams can fall apart if they don't have a strong leader. Now, I think the catalyst in this group is Nick Gonzalez. I think, you know, him and him and Henry Davis are going to be the guys that carry this team, um, you know, for a long, long way. And, and you saw that in the way that the curves performance got better when Gonzalez returned. And obviously Henry Davis has only been back for a short amount of time, but Gonzalez comes back and the clubhouse is just a different atmosphere. And you have that that kind of persona uh, and that type of player, and I think that that speaks volumes to to who the guys who the Pirates drafted and, and Nick Gonzalez and what they think of him. And, and Cole Tucker is a guy that that I'm reminded of too. That was a great leader, great face of the clubhouse. Now, of course, things didn't work out for him in the Pirates organization, but those are the types of guys that you want to build your team with. It's just getting them to the majors and having them stay there and continuing to build that chemistry because when that chemistry is as a special group, you know, you, I, and I hate, I hate to mention this. So I, I, this is going to, this is going to be really painful for me, but the team that broke the curse for the Red Sox, that team had 
insane chemistry. They were a bunch of no name, but not necessarily no name guys, but Bronson Arroyo, um, Kevin Euclid, um, you know, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, those teams that, that really got the, the streak and broke the curse of the Bambino for the Red Sox, that chemistry was paramount. Same thing with the Yankees in the 90s. That chemistry was paramount. And that's really what makes teams special. I'm not saying that this team is going to go out and compete for a World Series because I have no idea if they can or they will. But I think if the, if they continue to have that strong chemistry, that makes it a heck of a lot easier for them to go and do that. Okay, you're not wrong. I was wrong earlier. I said Omar Marino. I meant Al Oliver. So I had a brain fart. We're recording this late on Labor Day, so I had a brain fart there. So I apologize. I meant Al Oliver with the baby. You're not wrong, Jared. You're not wrong at all in anything that you're saying, except for the fact that you're trying to compare the Pittsburgh Pirates to the Boston Red Sox. And that's where I just do a hard pause on putting too much emphasis in a lot of this stuff because they can still go by anybody they need. And so, look, what what we're doing here, this is great. Jared's got a great conversation here coming up with Figueroa and Gonzalez and a few of And that's why we're having the chemistry conversation. And that's, I've covered the minor leagues for 25 years and I've had this, I've written this a thousand times that you want these guys to come up together and you want them to win together and all that stuff. Well, then they get to the big, to the pirates and they're still shit. The, st- the team, big league team is still shit. Okay. Well, why is that? Is it because they don't have good chemistry? No, they do have good chemistry. Is it because they don't know each other? No, they do know each other. Is it because they didn't win in the minor leagues? No, it's because they, it's because they don't have good enough players at the big league level. They can't go buy the free agent. They can't go trade for the guy. And then when, when Brian Reynolds is ready, they're going to trade him. I'm not trying to put the negative spin here on it. I'm just trying to mention that, that the chemistry part, while it is it's very important, we can't compare the Pirates to anybody else because it's almost like all the Pirates have is chemistry. Okay, It's like, let's build every, let's put all of our eggs in this one basket, and everything is going to be about these minor leaguers that we get up there. But you see the, you see the, the fruit. Once the minor leaguers get there, they can't do everything. They need help. Minor leaguers that come up with the Yankees bat eighth, and they're counted on to get a big hit every now and then. Minor leaguers come up with the Pirates are supposed to be the best player in the world from day one, like O'Neill Cruz or Gregory Polanco or Andrew McCutcheon or Tony or, or uh, um, Pedro Alvarez or whomever. You see what I'm getting at, Jared? And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sabotage the chemistry discussion because you are not wrong. You're absolutely right about all of it. But at the same time, give me a lot of chemistry, but you still got to go find some good players at the big league level. Right, you have to find that right mesh and that right match, and and I think that's the hardest part in Pittsburgh because you can't go out and get a big name player. Like it's not like they can go out and get a Shohei Otani or Mike Trout. It worked with get, AJ Burnett. It worked with Marlon Byrd. It, it has right. worked at times. Yeah, and 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 it's and those are reclamation projects, right? AJ Burnett was not the AJ Burnett that he was in Florida or or New York, and that's why it worked for out or for for Pittsburgh. And you got it, and maybe you find that diamond in the rough, and you're not going to go out and spend 250 million on on a free agent. And if you do, that's great. But at the same time, that's just not fiscally responsible for the for a team like the Pirates when you know how nutting operates and how you know that organization operates. So you got to work with what you got within. They did that rather well, and they mixed and matched really, really well with that 2013 team. Um, now, could and then they won 98 games. And I think it was what 2014 and 15, 15. yeah, 2015. Right. And, 
and didn't didn't amount to much of anything. Another wild card berth, and 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 that's it. And that I mean that speaks volumes to what the NL Central was. But you got to mix that homegrown talent with those guys that, that you go out and maybe they are a reclamation project, maybe they're not. But at the same time, you know, it's nice to find that mix and match and that mesh. And then that's what makes a, a team special. Well, wouldn't it be great to be able to have this conversation? Because again, everything you're saying is right. And the, the chemistry part on it, on any team, you do have to have all of that. My fear with the pirates is always their chemistry is going to blow up because they lose all the damn time. And, and that takes a toll. So you get all these young guys that come through the minor leagues and, and they've got the chemistry and they know, they know how to play together well, then you start losing, and it's like, okay, well, now what do we do? And, and that's where the Pirates are right now as we sit here. Monday night, they've got 89 losses. They're on their way to 100 again. It would, just, it would just be nice to be able to have these kinds of conversations, Jared, with an organization where we didn't have the gigantic asterisk, but, well, hey, chemistry is great, but they can't do all these things. Well, hey, chemistry is great. But giant asterisk, they can't go get any. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's so disheartening when we try to, what we're doing here is we're looking for the silver lining. We're looking for a nugget that will give us hope for the Pirates, right? If you're listening to our Young Bucks podcast, you want to know about the chemistry between Leover Pagaro and Nick Gonzalez. And Jared's right. It's great. And I'm right. I'll tell you, it is great. What I'll also tell you is, if they get to the big leagues and they're expected to be the best players on the team in year one or two, their chemistry is not going to matter because, quite frankly, the roster is still not going to be good enough. Crow, you're absolutely right. But you know what? Let's get a little bit more positive. Let's talk to, to what could be the potential middle infield duo uh, of the future for the Pirates uh, when we get back from this short break on the second segment of the Young Bucks podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Young Bucks Podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates Prospects Podcast of Choice. I'm joined in this segment by Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpiguero, who were kind enough to meet me prior to Saturday's game in the press or in the dugout, I should say, at PNG Field. Let's get straight to that interview. I apologize for the background noise as the dugout isn't always the most quietest of places. One of the fundamental things here in all of sports is chemistry. And throughout the entire system, you guys playing uh, with an organization, it's, everybody knows how much chemistry you guys have up the middle. What goes into having a relationship like that, and how much does that kind of help you guys through the rigors of a, of a hard season? Um, it's, I would say it's like a connection that you have with someone. Like, I would say like that's the big part of it, like having that connection with someone and just like knowing that you have basically like your brother around you all the time, you know what I mean? So I feel like that helps a lot when it comes to all that. And you know, you don't you never feel like you're alone doing anything out there, you know what I mean? So I feel like that's the biggest and one of the most important points on it. 
Yeah, for me, you know, like Peggy said, you know, when we go out there, it's not just, you know, ourself out there. It's me and him together playing. Um, he's got my back when I'm down. I got his back when he's down, and, and uh, we pick each other up. Uh, it's good to, to have that chemistry, especially through this long season, uh, having each other, you know, throughout the whole process, you know, whether, you know, like I said, we pick each other up when we're down. And, and uh, yeah. When you guys are on the field, how much of an impact does that off-the-field chemistry have on you? Because if you're, you know, you, you rely on the other person to make plays up the middle or, and vice versa, how much of an impact does that truly have in, when the game's on, uh, when you're playing on the field? Um, it's, it's like that feeling of, like, I want to do this to help and but you also feel like he needs to do this to help me too. So it's like, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like something that like so special, you know what I mean? I never experienced this before. So I kind of like don't have a, a word to kind of like explain like the type of feeling I have when I'm out there with this guy. So like, I feel like he, he will have like more words for it. Cause like, I just yeah. don't know how to explain it kind of, but it's just like something incredible, you know what I mean? Yeah, we have a good connection, and, you know, we rely on each other, and, uh, you know, we hold each other accountable. I think that's kind of what Peggy was looking for there, and, and we hold each other accountable. You know, uh, and there's never, you know, we never take criticism in a bad way. You know, we always have good constructive criticism to each other. Um, you know, it's always in a positive way, whether the, the outcome was negative, whether, you know, we wanted to work on something or do something different in a certain situation. We're, we're always able to, you know, do it positively and constructive, you know, constructive criticism with each other. Now, you guys are both highly touted prospects. How does that, you know, how does that both help and hurt your relationship? Because you guys, I'm sure you guys read what's said about you, good, bad, or indifferent. How do you guys kind of feed off of each other when maybe things aren't going very well or maybe they are going very well? And how do you kind of balance that out? Um, I would say that, like, we honestly, like, don't really look at it like as a bad thing like it don't matter how one of us is doing like if it's doing bad or good like I feel like we're always like the same way with each other um, I will say that we have like that consistency of love in and inside of the ballpark so I feel like that's one of the most special things that we have you know what I mean like having that like love through each other you know yeah, whether, you know, we're doing good or bad, and and we don't, I, I don't think we really look at what people have to say about us or anything, but, you know, our path to the big leagues is going to be different. Obviously, Peggy already made his debut this earlier this year. Um, our path to the big leagues is different. Everyone's going to be different. Um, so I think if we just focus on getting each other better every day, I think that, you know, uh, God will take care of the rest, and, and that's that's kind of what how we go about it every day. Now, with... Um you know, with this with this team especially tonight, um, you guys are putting four first round picks on the field at the same time, which is something that hasn't really been done here uh, in quite some time, if at all. What does it mean to kind of be put to be surrounded by a lot of good players that you know you guys all have the same common goal to get to Pittsburgh and to help that team win championships? Um, it's it's a privilege, you know. what I'm saying like being out there with those with those special guys like Nick Quinn and Henry. Um, it's a really special thing. To be around this guy, but I feel like our main goal is just uh, get there and stay there as long as we possible. And I know I feel like it's just an amazing thing to have, be around these guys. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, you know, playing with like you said, uh, having four first rounders take the field. I think I mean that's cool and that's a, 
cool stat and everything, but every player on this team is really good, and whether they were drafted first or last over it doesn't matter. I mean, these guys are really good, so to learn from them is, is amazing. You know, I learn it so much every year being around these guys, and it's such a privilege to watch them play and go about their work uh, no matter who it is on this team. And now the season is winding down. You guys are finally... You know, I, I mentioned this to Nick earlier this week in an interview about finally getting somewhat healthy, which is something this team really hasn't been able to do. Uh, and now, you obviously, you have Triolo hurt and Flowers hurt. How do you kind of play that, de- deal with that? Because it's, it can't be easy to go out there knowing that, you know, there are guys that just freak things happen and they get hurt for one reason or another. You just got to kind of deal with that. Um, I would say, like, we, we have a... We have a lot of things to do all the time, you know what I mean? So it, it, it does hurt that uh, we don't have this guy, this guy that's playing for us right now. Uh, I feel like it's, as long as we have their back and just play as hard as we can all the time, I feel like they'll, they'll, be, they'll be grateful to watch, uh, you know, like we just out here uh, working really hard and trying to play really hard and, you know, just kind of like let them know that everything's okay. Like we're going to be here waiting for them and, and hopefully they'll be back soon. And, do the, the things uh, right and all that. Yeah, like like Peggy said, I mean, it, having those guys go down is tough, uh, especially like Triolo and Flowers and you know, anybody who's been hurt this year. It's tough, but you know, it's just the next man up to hold their spot until until we're ready. And we've had great players come and play, uh, and you know, just kind of hold the line a little bit and wait for them to get healthy. We we all want them to be healthy. We know they want to be healthy, so. Uh, it's been tough this year, but, you know, it's kind of baseball, and, and uh, we just got to keep pushing forward. The majority of this team spent last year with Greensboro together. How valuable is it to get that type of experience and, and play with each other year after year as you guys work your way up through the system? Uh, it's like creating that, uh, I don't know how to explain, like that bubble together, like that love through each other. I feel like it's, it's a really special thing, you know, being able to be with all these guys last year and then this year too. So I feel like it makes you feel like you're around the family, you know, and it makes you feel really comfortable to be out of the field and do all of, your, all of the things, being around all the guys, you know, you know what I mean? It makes you feel more comfortable and makes you feel more free to do everything, you know, the best ways possible. And I feel like it's just a very special thing, you know, being able to go up with these people back-to-back year and all that yeah it's it's like you said we have a good bond going on with all these guys and it's nice to have because um like i was saying earlier if something happens positive or negatively on the field we're, we're able to tell each other you know and that we can hold each other accountable that's something that i would i would say is a little tough to do when you first come to a team and there's a bunch of new guys it's tough to to speak up and say you know how you really feel but that's that's what good teams do and that's what good players do and, and good teammates and leaders and that's what we have on this team is a bunch of leaders who have been around each other for a while, so it's really good to have. Now, you guys have also played for Kyron now this is year two. How important is that, knowing the voice that, that leads you out on the field every night, and how important is that to have that relationship with, with the guy that makes the lineup every day? Uh, it's, it's really uh, important, and plus I feel like it's a really um, amazing thing to have, you know, having someone that you know that trusts you and someone that knows that you are trying the best out there and all that so I feel like it's just a really amazing thing to have someone like him around us like also like like we have him last year and we've been like learning a lot from him um, he's also like trying to get us 
trying to make us get better every day. So I feel like it's just a really amazing and uh, special thing having them. Yeah, it's good to have, you know, the same leader, you know, from last year into now. Uh, you know, he's got his goal, he's got his purpose, and, and everyone, uh, you know, stands behind and everyone gets behind him. Uh, he's been he's been doing a good job. You know, he's had a tough job this year. He's had a tough go around, too. Um, and it's been tough this year, but I think, you know, he's, he's kept his head up. He's kept everyone, you know, in line. And, and uh, with the injuries and everything, it's tough, and you can't always control some stuff. People go up, people get hurt, and, and but he's had the same, you know, mentality every game from game one to game hundred and whatever this one is right now so now with a little under just about a little over two weeks left in the season what are your offseason plans what what's next for you guys once the season comes to an end i just just get better uh, i feel like you never stop growing up you never stop learning plus um, in this sport so i feel like just just working on the things you need to work on and i feel like uh, if you're able to do that, uh, hopefully we have a better year next year. Yeah, for me, just you know, trying to get some more games in, um, and play in fall league and play some winter ball, and just get as many games as I can. Miss miss too much time this year and last year, so just trying to fill in and, and play as much as I can. So you know, next year we can hit the ground running and, and play a full season. Great, thank you guys for your time. Yeah, thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Welcome back to the Young Bucks Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports <laughs> Podcast Network. Every time we do this, I always expect you to say, welcome back. I think we would get, t- we would 100% get a copyright infringement and we don't really have the money for that. In this oh, okay. Podcast. So you, you can't keep going then, right? No, right. But that um, was a good one though, because you, you did the whole, welcome back. You were close on it. I'm getting there, Corey. I'm getting there. We've only been doing this for 51 episodes now, uh, or, or however many. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. That's the We Are podcast. We, we're over 50 now. But first and foremost, I want to thank Leo Verpiguero and Nick Gonzalez for taking the time to, to talk with us and, and join the podcast um, over over the last homestand. Um, but, but let's talk about some unsung heroes, you know, in Altoona especially, with Andres Alvarez uh, and Aaron Shackelford. Alvarez goes 20-20. He gets 20 home runs, has 20 stolen bases. Season still has a couple weeks weeks left. But that's the first time in team history that that's happened. And that is, number one, with some of the guys that they've had, yeah, it's right. pretty impressive. Um, and it's a guy that's bounced around. He's in the outfield. He's in the infield. Multiple different positions. Um, and, and really, if you want to talk about a clutch hitter, he's probably the guy that you want to come up when the, when it matters the most for the curve. This is year this is the 23rd season for the Altoona curve. The 23rd season. And Andres Alvarez is the first 2020 guy. We're talking the Neil Walkers, the Andrew McCutcheons of the world. A lot of good players here. Most of the guys who could hit for power didn't really have any speed at all, and all of our real speed guys just didn't have any power that played at Altoona over these years. So Andres Alvarez, quite frankly, I wouldn't even be surprised if a lot of Pirates fans didn't even know who he was before the season. He just He's a 25-year-old guy, but hey, he has been a true professional. I've interviewed him a number of times. 
He is so down to earth. Jared, he had 11 home runs in his life before this year, like five, five in college at Washington State. And like six in the minor leagues, five or six in the minor. So like 11, 11 total. Now he's got 20 home runs. And so comes out of nowhere. Uh, it is amazing that here we are in year 23 and it took this long for a 2020 guy to come through the system. Yeah. And, and I, listen, I can't, I can't say that he was on my radar to begin the season. But, and I'm not saying that he's going to be on the radar in AAA either, but, but you can't not acknowledge the year that he's had. Uh, any any time you can hit twenty home runs is great. I mean that's good for eleventh and in, in the entire double and all of double A, you know. And I think that that speaks volumes. Um, what, what's also you know it also benefit it shows you that that other step that other tool that speed tool. And I think that matters too. I mean twenty stolen bases is a big deal. You're not going to find statistics like Ricky Henderson's back in the day anymore. That's just not the way baseball is played. That aggressiveness isn't. It's now it's quantified in data and analytics and can he go and, and, ever, and the game is just different than what it was with Ricky Henderson. But a 20, 2020 guy is, is a really good thing to have for in Altoona. And, you know, let's not write off Andres Alvarez either. Just because he's 25. Look, he's batting 225. We're going to talk about batting average here in a second, whether it matters or not. The OPS is 801. That's good. Um, 110 strikeouts in 409 plate appearances. So, you know, it's it's not bad. It's okay. He's played uh, 12 games at short, uh, 36 games at third, 30 at second. He he benefited from, you know, Nick Gonzalez being out with the injury for some time. That gave him some more playing time. But it, look, we we just I want to give a shout out to the young guy. I'm not going to write him off. He could absolutely be a, a, a utility guy kind of piece at some point for the Pirates with the speed and the power. And before we do the batting average discussion, we have to mention Aaron Shackelford because I do think Aaron Shackelford could be a guy that Pirates fans really do need to pay attention to. He's got 25 homers in double-A, Jared. And for those who have been to People's Natural Gas Field now, Tuna, it's not an easy place to hit home runs at. He's got 25 homers, 75 RBIs. He's got a chance to be one of the leading home run hitters in Altoona Curve history. His batting average is 250. Hey, that's perfectly fine. You're talking 119 strikeouts and 405 plate appearances and the OPS is 844 more so than Alvarez. I do think Shackelford, who's also 25 could project to be a guy that, you know, depending on if the pirates need a bat here or there for a week or a month at some point, I, I do think he could hold his own at the big league level in, if need be. Yeah. And the thing with Shackelford is I don't think he's ever been overmatched. I mean, there are some, some bad swings here and there, but they're really few and far between and he gives good plate appearances. I mean, I was in, I was at the stadium for three of the six games, like I usually am, um, in a home set. And what I saw this week was a lot better. Um, it was a lot better plate appearances, plate selection, um, aggressive early in counts, getting the pitches they could hit. And and I thought that was, um, you know, I thought that was super important. So it's when that stuff's happening, that means development is there. That means they're being patiently aggressive. That means good things are happening. I mean, you see it in Nick Gonzalez, right? Since he came back, so many things are, are going right for him now just by being aggressive or lean account and hunting fastballs and adjusting to, you know, to off speed. I mean, there's a, there's a game Tuesday um, that Leo Verpiguero had a 12 pitch at bat. And then Gonzalez comes in, ropes a double, and the game's essentially put out of reach for um, – 
for the curve. So that's the type of development you want to see. But it, things just go so far deeper than the batting averages, right? Because if you have one bad stretch at the beginning of the year, it's it takes an, an incredible amount to to get back to that and to get back to you know a respectable batting average if there is one. Because I mean the the what the barometer right that we always say is three hundred consistently you're a Hall of Famer, right? And you, you don't want to go below the Mendoza line, but what what is good now? Is it two is two twenty good? Is two twenty five good? Two eighty is probably really good. 270 is good, but it's, it's again, the law of averages here too. If you get 300 plate appearances and, you know, however many hits that you get out of that, sometimes all it takes is a bad week or two at the beginning of the year to completely throttle your batting average. That is true. And this is the old man in me that is probably wrong saying Batting average does matter to me. I have always been more of a fan of OPS, and certainly the slash line is is more important. If you're slashing really above 775, anything around 800, that is going to be more important than the batting average. It, it just is. But I grew up with Tony Gwynn. Right. I, I grew That's up not with Wade, fair. He's a cheat code. Right. I grew up with Wade Boggs. Um, I, I, I grew up with a single being okay. And it's almost like now a single is a single is weak, you know? And I, I, I'll be honest with you. It's why I hate baseball. I I've covered professional baseball for 30 years. I go coach my kid and play every day. It's why I hate baseball the way it's played, played right now at the highest levels, because if you hit 320 with a bunch of singles, are you really all that valuable? We did a memory lane podcast a couple months ago with Freddie Sanchez guy won a damn batting title. He said, he's not sure he would have a place in today's game. And I think that's pretty fair actually. Yeah. And, and Freddie actually hit a lot of doubles too. So Same thing with Jack just, Wilson. Yeah. He wasn't just a singles machine, but it, it just, that bothers me. I really, it's hard for me to look at a guy who's batting 225 and say, that's good enough. But I'm wrong. I know. I know I'm wrong. I, I will absolutely admit it. The way it goes is it's it's not something that is extremely valuable. I actually still think RBIs are important, nowhere near as important as we used to think. But I do think at the end of the day, you got to drive in a damn run. You know, it's at some point, you're seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you got to drive in some runs. Is that the be all end all nowadays, like OPS or anything? No, but you, you do got to show me that you can get that run home. So I, I do cling maybe more to those old school kind of stats. Yeah, and I think you know you you can merge old school stats and new school analytics, and I think you have, you know, I think you could come up with a with a good hodgepodge of things. Maybe not a hodgepodge of nothingness, or maybe a hodgepodge of something. But you know, you could. And for me, I want to see what guys do with runners on second and third. You know, are they advancing runners? What are they doing to do that? Now, that's not always quantified in you know base hits because you can advance a runner with the fielder's choice or a sack fly or what have you. So, I mean, there's just so many different stats now that we have access to that, you know, I don't want to say water it down, but it, it takes away from the old school stats and for good reasons. I mean, you look at the pitcher wins, that's not really relevant anymore. Right. I mean, you're, because there's so much that can happen. You I mean, I think a more important stat for a, for a starter is a complete game at this point. 
And, and those are rare and fewer and far between. So, I mean, there are just so many different stats and so much, so many different levels of data that you can kind of sort through and, and go through. And you're not going to find the right mix for different people, right? Corey, you're an old school guy. I'm like a, I'm like a hybrid. I like the new school, a couple of new school things, but I also like the old school stuff too. So, I mean, it's just kind of finding what you like and, and being able to, to kind of adjust and see it from there because everybody is different. Everybody views the game differently, right? We've had conversations on your radio show here in Altoona about bunting. When's the last time you've seen a well-executed bunt, right? And um, the, the little things that add up aren't as sexy as they used to be. Chicks dig the long ball, right? Chicks dig extra base hits. They love exit velocity because exit velocity matters. If you can hit it through a guy and don't give him a chance to catch it, that's a good thing, right? So, I mean, we, we you look at O'Neill Cruz, right? The talk is about how hard he can hit the ball. And don't get me wrong. I've thrown to him. He throws and he hits the ball way, way hard, right? So, it's just one of those situations where you got to fig- figure out the data that you like and that represents what you feel is right and then balance that with everything else. Because you can't compare a guy like Tony Gwynn to a guy that plays today. And, and it's just not fair. It's not a fair comparison. Number one, because Tony Gwynn is Tony Gwynn. But also, it's a completely different way we look at the game. Well, look, I mean, while we're mentioning this, Pirates fans get ready to to blast me. I mean, O'Neill Cruz, has, his OPS is 678. That, that ain't great. And his batting average is 204. So let me flip it. Let me flip this over. And I, I know a certain, certainly some of the, a number of the Pirates beat writers, uh, they just fall in love with this. Um, exit velocity. That's great. That's awesome. He's hitting 118. Well, he's also batting 204 with a 678 OPS. Oh, but Geiger, he's got 12 home runs. He's elect. He is. There's no question. There's no question. I'm I, I'm just merely trying to give you a well-rounded view of, of all of it, okay? It is, if you hit 40 homers, but you've got a 204 batting average and a 678 OPS, is that what anybody wants? I mean, is that, is that where we are today? And again, I, this is not about o- O'Neill Cruz, but this is why I hate the game. I mean, it's why I hate the game. If if a guy batting in the low 200s, and that's good enough, again, if you got an 800 OPS, that's fine. And I know O'Neill's a rookie. I'm not harping on him specifically. He's going to get a lot better. He has a chance to be a star. But the point is, he's not a star right now. He's got a 678 OPS. There are flashes, though. and flashes. There's no that- question. But at the end of the day, you got to put wins up, right? The almighty win in the win column is important too, no matter where you're at. So that also matters. Uh, so you can have O'Neill Cruz hitting balls 125 miles per hour, breaking the speed sound barrier. But if you're not putting up wins, that's great for him, but not great for the team. But ultimately, you know, it takes an organization. We and let's go back to chemistry, right? And, and it's those unsung guys like the Shackelfords, like the Diego Castillos, right? He was an unsung guy, I thought, when he was in Altoona last year. That to really kind of bring those teams together and help them mesh with guys like Piguero and Gonzalez and Henry Davis and Quinn Priester, and and that's what makes those teams so special. Because then you add that to O'Neill Cruz, and then you've got a lot of wins. So. That's what I think, you know, what could happen and might happen. And maybe it leads to wins and maybe it doesn't. Chemistry doesn't win games, but it certainly doesn't lose them either. I agree with that. I think that's a good point. 
and it kind of circles back to our focus for for what we're talking about. Certainly, Leover and, and Gonzalez have that good chemistry, and you do hope for it with all of these guys. The last thing I'll say about batting average is this. I don't think I'm alone in the way I view all this stuff. Now, folks listening to this podcast, my guess is are going to be younger. They're going to trend younger. The podcast crowd is generally the younger crowd. They're into the advanced metrics. They're into the exit velocity. They're into all this stuff. And and they might be saying, well, you're an old man. And, you, you know, but I'm telling you, this is the problem baseball has. It's because all this stuff we're talking about, the old timers who carry the sport, all you young folks might think that you're carrying the sport. The old timers are the one that are ones that spend a lot of money and go to games and all that stuff. The average TV viewer age, I think, for baseball is 55, 56. They don't really care about a lot of this stuff with the, with the metrics and everything. That is that is a, a fascinating issue for the future of baseball. Uh, but hey, it is just the way it is. It's not. It's, I don't think it's going to change anyway. But uh, pretty fascinating that that we that we are, are in this modern era where as we as we're talking about how effective would Tony Gwynn be in this era when I when I think about something like that my head wants to explode yeah and that's like that's the crazy thing right Corey like we talk about exit velocity and, and, and I hate to harp on this but Tony Gwynn hit the ball hard pretty hard too yeah but and he wasn't 115 no. I'm just looking up Tony's OPS career OPS the guy won the Tony Gwynn Tony Gwynn hit a little under 300 his first year Jared he hit two 89 every other year of his career for the next 19 years he batted he he batted uh 300 and, and hey in, in all fair his OPS was 847 so that is different he he still had a good enough OPS where hopefully he would be a guy that would still be valued yeah i mean Tony Gwynn's Tony Gwynn i mean you're never going to say no to a guy that, like that but it, the game has changed right and i would love to see guys like Luke Gehrig like Babe Ruth, the ex of Elos on, on those guys, and, and even Barry Bonds, right? Some of the balls that he put in McCovey Cove, and, and even in Three Rivers, you know, just to see what, what that's like. Now, the game has changed. Pitchers have changed, too. But what hasn't changed, Corey, is us. We'll be back again next week on the Young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.